the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad you joined me today. And I want to make sure that you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, where you can listen to the show in its entirety. If you're just tuning in, you can't listen to this entire show. So today we're going to be talking about something that is, I think, every believer's paradox or every believer's struggle. And this is that paradox of unbelief. And this feeling that can come from unbelief is that I should be believing. Why don't I believe? Why am I struggling with my faith? Why am I struggling to believe when God has done so many things for me? Why can't I believe God in this moment? And so this paradox is, is one of the things that I think the enemy of our soul loves. He loves to get us in this double bind so that we can't move forward, we can't move back. We, we, we are in an internal struggle with ourself. And, and in religion, hope is, is one of the key concepts in most major world religions. And it often signifying the hope that believes an individual or a collector group will, will reach this concept of what they say, heaven. And so we know that as believers, we hope for our eternal destiny, and that would be living with God eternally. And we have that hope that that is part of the substance of our faith. And so what we want to think about in the Christian religion, there's these three theological virtues that the Christian religion really hangs on, and that is faith, love, and hope. And the Bible means that it's a strong and confident expectation of a future reward. That's what hope is. And in Titus 1-2, it says that hope is akin to trust, and it's a confident expectation. And I want you to think of the word trust, because that's what we are going to be really talking about today. And the Apostle Paul argued that hope was a source of salvation for Christians. And, and the scripture says, for in hope we have been saved. If we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. And so this hope is based in trust. And, and as a psychotherapist, one of the things that I, I'm always talking with people about is the way they think and how it affects their emotional realm and how we deal with feelings, either a feeling that we have we don't want to have 
or feeling we want to have that we don't seem to be able to acquire. And many of the positive feelings are some of the hardest that we have a, we, hardest time we have acquiring them or hanging on to them. And faith and hope and love and trust and belief are some of the most difficult things that we as believers are, are trying to do on an, on an ongoing basis. And so the Holman Bible really talks about hope as it's a trustful expectation, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. So I'm going to say that one more time. Hope is a trustful expectation, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. So if any of you have read Pilgrim's Progress, it was hopeful, that character, who comforted Christian in the Doubting Castle. While conversely, at the entrance to Dante's hell were these words, lay down all hope, you that go in with me. And so again, let's look at this. It's a trustful expectation, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. So let's look at this, this, um, this very famous chapter in Mark chapter 9. And this is in the Message Bible, and this is about unbelief. And this is verses 19 through 27. When it says, Jesus said, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. They brought him. When the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. He asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? And the father said, ever since he was a little boy. Many times it pitches him into the fire or to the river to do away with him. If you can do anything, have a heart and help us. Jesus said, if? There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than the father cried out, then I believe, help me with my doubts. He says, help me with my unbelief. Seeing that the crowd was forming fast, Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders. Dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, out of him and stay out. Screaming and with much thrashing about it left. The boy was pale as a corpse, so people started saying, he's dead. But Jesus, taking his hand, raised him, and the boy stood up. So let's go back to this. Let's look at this. Jesus is frustrated And Jesus could be frustrated with all of us. And he's saying, what a generation. Now, we as Americans, I would say that we have so many miracles and so much abundance and so many wonderful things. And Jesus could easily say to us, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? And when he's talking about going over these things, he's talking about who God is. How many times do I have to tell you who your Heavenly Father is? How many times do I have to tell you the love, the security, the, the comprehensive um, commitment that your Father in Heaven has for you? How many times do I have to go over these things of believing? So he says, bring the boy to me. Bring him here. And so 
They brought the boy to him. Now, when the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. So I love this passage because I don't know about you, but I know for me, many times when I'm trying to believe God for a good thing, then I'm going to God with my need. I know that God could say to me, Cynthia, how many times do I have to go over this? How many times do I have to reassure you that I want your burdens, that I want to help you, that I can do things that you can't believe? I can do things that are unimaginable to you. I can move mountains. How many times do I have to show you? How many times do I have to go over this? And in the process of me bringing these things to God, sometimes things get worse. Just as what happened here in the scripture. They brought the boy to Jesus And the demon saw Jesus and threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. So many times when we bring these things to God, it might get worse. The enemy knows he's at his last days. So he might do a full-on assault, a full frontal assault. Satan might be saying, oh, no, she's bringing this to Jesus. And so all guns blasting. Satan comes at me with a force larger than what my problem originally was. All in the attempts of hoping that I fall into unbelief. And so Jesus said to the the boy's father, how long has this been going on? Well, there are things in my life that I can say to Jesus my entire life this has been going on. I have not been free from this yet, God. Just as this boy's father said to Jesus his entire life since he was a little boy. And so Jesus, so when, when the Father says, if you can do anything, do it. Please have a heart and help us. All right, here is the line that we want to look at. Here is the trust issue. Remember, when we first started talking about what hope is, hope is the trustful expectation, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. So this Father is showing Jesus that lack of trust. He says, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have a heart and help us. Now, thankfully, Jesus is not offended. But if I were God, I might be offended. But I'm telling you, I have been, I have said things like this to God in my own frustration or my own fear or my own hurt, where I have said to God, if you can do something, please have mercy on me. Please do something. And Jesus said to the man, if, if. There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. Anything. God can do anything. And so what we want to think about is instead of fighting with our unbelief, we have to go back to the issue of trust. Why is my trust lacking? And that is a relationship issue. When we lose trust in the person we love, what happens to a relationship? See, when I trust the people I'm in relationship with, I trust who they are. I don't get nearly as caught up in what they do or what they don't do because I trust them. So if I trust my husband to do what he says he's going to do, if he hasn't done it immediately, I don't pay that much attention to it because I know that he is going to do it. I trust him. So what happens for us as humans is it comes down to this trust issue with God. Why am I struggling with trust? Now, thankfully, God does not condemn us, and he's not angry with us for this, because he could be. I mean, God is like, I mean, 
Who am I to not trust God? But I am human. And Jesus understands this. And so the man responded to Jesus very appropriately. He said, wow, no sooner were the words out of his mouth than the father cried, then I believe, help me with my doubts. And he put his trust back in Jesus at that point. He said, help me with my doubts. This has been going on, Jesus, for so long. This is my boy. Help me with my doubts. I've lost sight of being able to believe in it. I'm tired. I'm weary. I've asked for this over and over and over again. I've taken my boy everywhere. Every single place I could think I've taken him. Nobody's been able to heal him. So please then help me with my doubts. That is a relationship piece. That father then made relationship with Jesus. That's what happened. Instead of mustering up the will to trust or the will to believe, he made a relationship gesture. He said, then help me. And he was honest with Jesus about who he was, where he was at, and what was going on with him, which is a relationship connection. Seeing that, the crowd was forming fast. And Jesus commanded that deaf and dumb spirit. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about this phenomenal story and the paradox of unbelief. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. And we are talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, which is the paradox of unbelief, or help me with my unbelief, and what that means to the believer. So I want to make sure that you can listen to the show in its entirety. So please visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And I also want to remind you that I'm on Facebook, which is Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., that's INC for Incorporated, Twitter, Instagram, all those different places. And so you'll see, if you're following me on Instagram, some of the quotes that come out of this show to remind you during the week about how to solidify and ground your faith. So we talked in the first segment about this paradox of unbelief and that the, the, the three theological virtues of the Christian religion are faith, hope, and love. And hope in the Holy Bible means a strong and confident expectation. Now, according to the Holman Bible Dictionary, hope is a trustful expectation, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. And so we talked about this chapter in Mark, chapter 9, about the man that had the boy that was demon-possessed, and he had taken him to every physician that he could find. He'd spent all of his money. He was traveling all over the country trying to find a cure for his boy. He kept hoping, hoping. And so when we think about the fact that this man was hoping, and we, we compare it to what hope is, that hope is a trustful expectation trustful expectation, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. So what happened in this interchange between this gentleman, this father, and Jesus, Jesus starts out this passage where we find him complaining and frustrated, saying, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? And I'm sure that Jesus has that same frustration with me. 
where Jesus could say to me, Cynthia, how many times do I have to go over this with you? How do you have no sense of God in this, in this moment that you're in? What is going on in your generation that you have no sense of God? How many times do I have to remind you of the Father's love for you, his commitment to you, that he's a trustworthy God, that he's a good God, that he's on your side? Now, I understand Jesus' frustration, and the frustration is only coming from a basis of love because he's saying, oh, I do not want you to be in this kind of pain, Cynthia. You don't have to be in this kind of pain. And so what it comes down to is trustful expectation. That means that unbelief, the root, the heart of unbelief is a lack of trust. And I left the last segment talking to you about my husband. If I trust my husband, then I ask him to do something, And if he hasn't done it immediately, I don't really give it any pause. I don't really care because I trust him. I know he will do it. I leave it in his hands. I say, I need you to do this. Will you please do this? He says, yes, I will do this. And I don't worry about it anymore because I trust him. So what happens for me with God when I ask him to do something? And and my hope, my belief, I have this unbelief. I believe God can do it, but will he actually do it? That's the unbelief part. I believe God can do anything for you. I might have a lot of faith for you, a lot of belief for you. But what happens with me when I say, God, I know you can do this. I believe you can do it, but I don't believe you will do it necessarily for me. So this gentleman we can really relate to. He says, Help me with my unbelief. I believe, but help me with my doubts. And so the doubting piece is the trust issue with Jesus. Will Jesus actually do this for my boy? So we can have a general overall hope or overall faith in God and know that God can move mountains and God has done amazing miracles. But when we, when we really narrow it down to us individually, will he actually do it for me? Does he care about my concern? And so what we see here is that Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders. I love that in verse 25. It says, seeing the crowd that was forming, Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders and said, dumb and deaf spirit, I command you out of him and stay out. And screaming with much thrashing about, it left. So isn't it interesting, the dumb and deaf spirit? So dumb means I can't speak. Deaf means I can't hear. So isn't that fascinating in this passage? That my unbelief, I don't speak faith statements, and I can't hear God's heart. And so we really want to say to ourselves, wow, God Thank you for helping with my unbelief, because this is a trust issue. And I've grown dumb in speaking the truth about God. And I've grown deaf to hearing the promises that God has for me. And Jesus is saying to me, Cynthia, how many times do I have to go over this with you? And thankfully, gosh, thankfully, he does not grow tired or weary. He does not weary in talking to me and reassuring me, just as a father reassures a child. Over and over and over again, God will tell me how committed he is to me, how much he loves me, how much he has my back. No matter what I've done, no matter what I'm doing, 
God does not see my worth and value based on my performance. He understands I struggle with sin. He understands that some things I'm struggling with for a lifetime. This father answered Jesus when Jesus said, how long has this been going on? And the father said his entire life. His entire life. And so there may be things in your life that have been going on for your entire life that you've grown deaf and dumb to with God. You've stopped talking about it with God. You've stopped listening to promises. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to give that spirit its marching orders. I'm going to cause that spirit, that unbelief, that whatever that situation is, whatever that sin is, I'm going to give it its marching orders. And we need to trust God today. We need to trust. We need to have hopeful, trustful expectation that it will occur under God's guidance. And that's, remember we talked about the Holman Bible Dictionary defines hope. This father came to Jesus with hope that his son would be healed. And hope means the trustful expectation, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. This means that I am trusting God's guidance. That means he's guiding the process. I don't know how long the process will take. Maybe it will happen today. Maybe as I'm speaking to you, it's happening right now. Maybe it will take another year. Maybe it will take 10 years. I don't know. But the hope is the trustful expectation that a favorable outcome will occur under the guidance of God and that we can trust God. And trusting God has nothing to do with my behavior, has nothing to do with my performance. If you have a child that is acting out, the trust that child has for you has nothing to do or should not have anything to do with their behavior and whether or not they're a good kid that day. Now, we have natural logical consequences, obviously, But if that child, in his acting out, were to be harmed, would you withhold helping that child? Of course not. So the trust that child has in you is that you care about him as he's working out his little life, as he's trying to figure out how to do his life, as he's making mistakes all over the place as he does his life. He trusts you care. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about the paradox of unbelief. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you're listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. And today we are talking about the paradox of unbelief. And so I mentioned in the last segment, you can always visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. So we started out understanding this whole idea of unbelief, lack of belief, that, that this is the, the hope. Christians have this hope that, that a goal will be reached, that, that there's this, that in the, the individual hopes for the concept of heaven. That, that's the overarching issue of hope. And we looked at the Christian religion as three virtues has, three theological virtues, and that is faith, love, and hope. And, and what hope is I- explained in the Holman Bible Dictionary, it is the trustful expectation, the anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. And so when we have a lack of belief, we basically have a lack of hope. If we don't believe, we can't hope anymore in a good outcome. So when, when, we're, when we're hoping 
What that does is it's very similar to believing. Hoping and believing are very similar. And so many times, though, we have hope without belief. And we saw that in this chapter of Mark, where, where this, in, in chapter 9, where the father is bringing the son to, to, the, to Jesus. And, and Jesus, he, he's saying, if you can do anything, have a heart and help us. So he had hope that Jesus could help. But Jesus called him out, so you don't believe. So he says, there's no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. Jesus said to him, if, if, if I can, there's no ifs among, among believers. And so the father responded in a very honest, heartfelt manner and said, oh my gosh, I do believe, but help me with my doubts. Help me with my doubt. See, and doubt and trust are very similar. When I doubt somebody, I'm basically not trusting them. I'm saying, oh, I, I hope they'll be there, but I'm not sure they'll make it. I hope they'll call me back. I don't, I'm not necessarily trusting that they will. I want to. And so when you think about this, we want to go back to this idea that a lack of belief, a lack of hope is a trust issue. And so when we look at these three virtues, they all kind of, they're a trinity. It's a triumvirate. It works all together. So we have faith. This is the trust or confidence in someone or something. It's a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of religion. It's based on spiritual apprehension rather than on proof. So it's based on what we believe spiritually. We don't always have the proof. We don't always have the evidence in front of us. But that's what faith is, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So our faith is a strong belief, belief. It's a trust or a confidence in something. If we look at the word hope, we talked about that, the feeling of expectation. And the, the, the Holman Bible says it's, it's a trust, it's a confident trust, an expectation of a positive outcome under God's guidance. And when we look at the word trust, this is a firm belief in the reliability, the ability or the strength of someone or something. So my relationship is built on trust. So when people come to my office for psychotherapy, they're trusting my ability to help them. And they're putting hope in the process. They're believing that there will be a positive outcome. And so what we think about with this whole idea of this, this gentleman, when it, this very powerful, poignant statement, when he says, I do believe, help me with my doubt. What he's saying is, help me with my trust. See, this man had never met Jesus before. He'd only heard of him. And so he's saying, I don't, I, I've just heard about you. I don't know anything really more about you. I've heard about you. You're my last-ditch effort. I've heard great things about you, but I don't know you. So he's saying, help me with my doubt. Help me with my trust. I trust. I want to trust that you can do this. Well, we as unbelievers, this is why Jesus is speaking to all of us in this verse, those people who were there and those people who were to come, which is us. He's saying, if, if I can do this, there is no ifs with unbelievers. There is no doubt with unbelievers. There's no lack of trust with unbelievers. So we want to be saying to God, instead of fighting with my faith and trying to muster up all this faith and profess it and confess it, 
I want to be saying, why am I not having faith? Where is my lack of belief? Where is my lack of trust? So I need to go to God and I need to talk about my trust. Why is my trust lacking? Why aren't I trusting who God says he is and how, God, how much God loves me? He died for me. Why can I not trust the one who died for me? And so in the New Living Translation, the father instantly cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my own belief. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about this overcoming of unbelief. This is 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I hope you are having a great afternoon. And I'm so glad you joined me. This is Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about the paradox of unbelief. Or help me with my unbelief. And, and we talked at length about this passage in Mark, the ninth chapter of Mark, verse, verses 19 through 27. I'm going to read it one more time in case you're just tuning in. And this is out of the Message Bible, and it says... Jesus said, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy to me. They brought him. When the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. He asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? The father said, ever since he was a little boy. Many times he pitches him into the fire or the river to do away with him. If you can do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. Jesus said, if, if, there are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than the father cried, then I believe, help me with my doubts. So seeing the crowd was forming fast, Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders. Dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, out of him and stay out. Screaming and with much thrashing about, it left. The boy was pale as a corpse, so people started saying he's dead. But Jesus, taking his hand, raised him, and the boy stood up. I mean, there is so much in this passage. And the first part, we really, what we really get out of this, is what Jesus may be saying to you today. What a generation you all have. He may be saying to you, you have no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with you not trusting me? You not knowing who I am when you do know who I am. And he says, bring the boy to me. So Jesus says, how much longer do I have to put up with this? And then immediately he says, but bring your burden to me. I mean, how kind is that? And I know, I hear God saying to me, Cynthia, really, how, much, how many more times do we have to go over this? Bring it to me. Bring the issue to me. Bring it here, lay it at my feet. And what happens here in this segment? It says, they brought him, and when the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. How many times have you experienced this? You go to God, God says, wow, how many times? How many times do I have to do things for you? Let's look over the past. How many times have I come through for you? And in the same breath, he says, ah, bring it to me. Just bring it here. And as soon as I bring it to God, 
it gets worse. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like a full assault from the enemy. It comes on like a flood. And then Jesus talks to me. He says, Cynthia, how long has this been going on? Now, he knows how long it's been going on. But I have to say to him, sometimes I say to God, I'm bringing it to you again because it's been going on my entire life. This is a sin that easily besets me. It is not going away. I'm bringing it to you again. And I say, ever since I was a little girl, I do this. And I struggle. And I get times where I'm, when I'm free of it, and then it comes back. And I say to Jesus, if you can do anything, do it. Please have a heart and help me. And Jesus says to me, if, if, there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. So what God is doing at that moment when he's saying anything can happen, he's saying that same verse in Ephesians 3.20, I can do immeasurably more than you could ever hope for or imagine. He's saying you have exhausted all your resources. You have worked on this over and over and over again. You have thought of all kinds of ways that I could do it and, and all kinds of new ways to do it. And I'm telling you that I have ways of fixing this that are beyond your comprehension, that are beyond your imagination. And so just as the Father says to Jesus, he says that I believe, help me with my doubts. My appropriate response to God is, I do believe in who you are. I do believe. Help me with my doubt. Help me with my trust. And what does Jesus do? He gives the vile spirit its marching orders. And he says, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you out of him and stay out. And so there are many things we talked about in the earlier segment. There are many problems that we have in our life that are enduring. And we start to become deaf and dumb when it comes to talking about it with God. We don't even know how to talk about it anymore. There aren't even words to say. We keep saying the same thing, and so we don't say it anymore. And we're deaf to maybe what God's solutions are. Oh, we're deaf to how much he loves us and how committed he is and that he has a timetable and he knows his timing. And he says, I can do anything more than you could ever imagine, more than you could hope for. And so we talked about these three tenets in the Christian religion. That is faith, hope, and trust. And faith is the complete trust or confidence in something or someone. So what does that tell us? That tells us if I'm struggling with faith, if I'm struggling with belief, it's because I don't have complete trust. And so that takes away my hope. Because the hope is the feeling or expectation, the trustful hope of a good thing under God's guidance. So when we look at trust, this is a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone or something. So I have to go back to, instead of trying to muster up faith, I need to say, oh, I've lost my connection, my relationship connection with God. That he has time, he has his own time, and that he knows what he's doing, and it will be in his time. And whatever the process is in my life, I have to trust him. And I'm trusting that it's going to happen under God's guidance, not under mine, not under someone else's. And I restate my firm belief in the reliability of who God is and that he died for me, which means I can trust the one who died for me. 
So unbelief is a trust issue. And unbelief generally stems from feelings of unworthiness. Because we are unworthy, I mean, on a global faith-based issue. But we are also unworthy because we keep doing behaviors that are not worthy of God. And the enemy, the accuser of our soul, never stops condemning us for that. And so the feelings of unworthiness cause us to not believe that God would do something for us. And cause us to think these things like, well, maybe God did try to heal me and I refused my own healing. I mean, how ridiculous is that, right? Well, maybe God wants to, but I'm getting in the way of it. I don't know. Generally, what I say to clients is if there's something that you're getting in the way of, it's usually obvious. You don't have to go hunt for it. So it's those areas that we we start to fill in the blanks that the enemy loves us to fill in the blanks of condemnation. And so it isn't about whether or not God can It's whether or not God will. And that's that trust issue. Will God do this for me? And we say to ourselves, is he a good father or not? And he says, he's a good, good father. And so I talk to God more about my relationship. Lord, I'm having a hard time trusting you because I don't see this deliverance yet, or I don't see the solution yet, or I don't see you fixing it yet. And then I talk to him about, wow, Here's what I'm expecting, or here's what I want to see, or maybe it's because I'm looking for a different solution, and I need to trust you with your solution. And so it's hoping God will do it and trusting he will. See, the little boy in this story, the son, trusted his father. This little boy who had the condition trusted his earthly father and went everywhere his earthly father took him and went to every, and, and availed himself of whatever whatever thing the earthly father was trying to to impose on him to get him healed. This little boy trusted his father. This little boy depended on his father and believed that his father had his best interest in mind and therefore did whatever the father had him do. It was all about relationship. The breakdown was in the earthly father believing in the heavenly father. That's where the breakdown was. So, This is the example that we have to have faith as a child when trusting God for what we need and want. That we have a good father and we need to relax and allow God to do its time. So children simply tell their father, their mother, what they need and what they want. And the most trusting of children simply believe that the parent will give them always what is best. They believe in the parent's intentions and they believe in their parent's heart, the heart of the parent, and they trust And they are not ashamed to simply ask and to continue to ask, even if it seems outrageous. So here's our lesson for today. We need to stop thinking for God. See, when we get into trust issues, we start thinking what other people are thinking. We start putting intentions on that person. We say, well, maybe they're not doing it because of this. And we start filling in the gap. And we start making up stories about that person. Or we start making up stories about God. Instead of just saying, I need to stop, I need to take it for what it is at face value and trust, knowing that God knows everything. He knows my sin. He's not shocked and surprised by it. He's working a good work in me, and he will complete it. And he promises us that in Philippians 1, 6. So Matthew 7, verse 11 in the Message Bible says, don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game where you're in, that we're in. If, you, if your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? 
If he asks for fish do, you, fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? So this is a great passage that says, don't bargain with God, just be direct. Just ask him for what you need. It's not a cat and mouse game. It's not hide and seek. If you need it, you ask for it. And even God is good at determining the difference between needs and wants. Just tell him your heart, because this is a trust issue. This is love. And what is love? It's an intense feeling of deep affection. Babies fill parents with intense feelings of love. Our pets fill us with an intense feeling of love toward them oftentimes. So it's this, it's this what, what you want to think about is stop thinking for God. Stop questioning his love. Ask for what you need. Ask for what you want. And trust your father to do what is best for you. His timing is impeccable. God is trustworthy. We complicate it so much by trying to think for God and trying to figure out what, what he's doing or not doing or what we should be doing. This is, an, this is a relationship issue. Trying to understand God's way as a way to figure out the system or figure out the rules is not going to work. So this is like a child thinking, well, if I clean my bedroom every day for a week, Dad will then buy me the bicycle I want. Okay, many times the, those two aren't even connected. So we believe that there, we have much more control and power than we actually do. God wants us to simply concentrate on his love for us, his desire to bless us, his understanding of who we are, and the fact that he knows us better than we know ourselves, and that he died a heinous death in order to be with us, and that we have the promise that he will never, never withhold a good thing. And I love this, this Psalms 8411 in the Voice Bible. It says, For the eternal God is sun and shield. The eternal grants favor and glory. He doesn't deny any good thing to those who live in integrity. And let me tell you what integrity is. Integrity isn't always doing the right thing. It's knowing when you didn't do the right thing and caring about the fact you didn't do the right thing. That's living with integrity. So for those of you who struggle with condemnation, you need to be very aware that living in integrity does not mean living perfectly. You don't expect your children to live perfectly in order to grant them what they need and want. So the biggest paradox or dilemma for parents is not giving a, is, is resisting giving a child everything they want. So I want you to think about the love of God for you today and throughout the week and to just simply say to God, help me with my relationship, help me with my trust. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next week. Again, at the same time, visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And I look forward to talking to you next week and blessings to you this week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.